I do want to, as a reminder for our members, uh, and, or even if you're not a member here, but you're in the area, we do have a Saturday series of Bible studies going on next Saturday. Uh, it's the 18th. It'll start at around 9 a.m. We'll try to, sharp, let's try to start pretty sharp at 9, and then we'll, we'll see how that goes. And then we'll, we'll conclude around 12, 1230, depending. The reason I say depending is because at the end we are when you have a, a short Q&A, maybe about 30 minutes or so. And just to give you an idea of some of the things we're going to talk about, we are going to, the, this title is United by the Blood. We, we are going to talk about how we are only united with God because of the blood of Christ. So God has had this plan to unite people with himself for a long time. We're going to look at some of those things. And we're going to look, about, we're going to look at how only through Christ's blood can we be united with God. But also we are united with each other through the blood of Christ. And I think we, that's what we call each other brothers and sisters. So, so we, we get that. But what about those people that, that we don't consider brothers and sisters? What about people of other places, other nationalities that we don't know them, and they don't really feel part of us as, as Christians? And then we think about things in our nation that are hot topics and hot-button issues that, that really affect us. Things like when the refugee issue was going on with, uh, I guess it was a couple of years ago now, or things that are even still very present, which is issues of immigration and how we treat immigrants. And we're not expecting to come to answers for sure for every single person in a two-hour, three-hour session next Saturday. But we, we need to talk about these things as believers because they affect us. And the one thing that we have to agree on is that we can't let policies and politics somehow... Uh, Trump, I shouldn't use that word, uh, somehow uh, overtake scripture and truth. Scripture and truth is what matters the most. It is the foundation for not only our faith, but our very lives. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, sorry, I used that. I, I, feel, I feel weird saying uh, that his name. It's like when you say wall, now everyone just thinks that you're talking about the wall. And it's, it's you know, somehow... Uh, I don't know, politics and our culture dominates certain words. But um, also as a reminder, if you do need to use the restroom, there are cards in the back. I think we have like five today. Usually we only have a couple. And the restrooms are down the hall uh, and then to your right. So if you need that, those are in the back. All right, well, with all that taken care of, let's open up to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 today. And we're going to look at the first half, the first... 16 verses of Ephesians chapter 4. So I, I was thankful that Tim read from Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. Um, and what we're going to look at is we're going to look at some things that, that are very real and have to do with, with our lives as Christians. What I actually want to do is I want to re- read 1 through 16, and then we're going to notice just a few things from, from this passage. Let's begin in Ephesians 4, verse 1. This is Paul speaking. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? 
He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's a few themes that I just want to toss out at the beginning. The first is that he talks about walking a lot, starting in chapter 4. He talks about different ways that we walk, the, the things that, that our lives, how, how it needs to look. That's what he means when he says that we walk in a manner worthy of the calling. He mentions love a few times. He talks about how we are bearing with one another in love, and then a couple other times, but at the end, that we are building, that the body is being built up, uh, and, and it, it grows in love. Another couple of things that, uh, that I notice is that he, he brings up really the, the power and authority and the awesomeness of God and also of Christ. If you look down in verse 6, it says, Who is over all and through all and in all. And then I think that same idea is repeated down in verse 10. We talk about Jesus, how this idea of, well, if he had to ascend, that means at one point he had to descend. Well, what was going on there? He says that um, the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all the things, right? So, or fill, fill all things. So there's a couple of themes. One is just the great magnitude of who God is and, and who Christ is and what he accomplished. The second thing is that we are to, this is all about our walk. This is about how we live. And this is not just how I walk. This is how we walk together. Now, he is writing to one church. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. But we can take these lessons and we can take them back home or we can apply them even individually to ourselves. But his concern is that they grow up together. And not just grow up together as far as spend a lot of time around each other. And, you know, there's sometimes, like there's a friend that I have that I've known since we were in middle school. We went to camp together. We, we saw each other throughout high school. We, we roomed together in college. Um, I was part of his wedding. And, you know, I've seen his kids. I, I talked to him uh, yesterday, actually. I mean, we have people that we grow up with together. But what he really wants is he wants this body of believers to grow together. No matter how long they are gathering together. He wants them to grow up. And what he wants them to grow up together is not just grow up in some sort of, um, some sort of like, uh, well, I, I want to see us just be close. He wants them to grow up in Christ. He wants them to, to grow up to be looking like Christ looked. So those are a couple of things just on the front end. To just kind of break this text down, when you look at verse 1, where he says that he's urging them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, I want you to notice that later on at the end of our reading, I think that this is the end of that walk, or this is at least what the walk is supposed to look like, where he talks about how that we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then he talks about how we need to grow up in every way into him in verse 15. 
And he says that uh, we are growing up into him who is the head, Christ. So this worthy walk is also the same thing as far as uh, we are growing in mature manhood, that we are growing into uh, the head, which is Christ. I think those are the same things. I think, I think that he's basically talking about the same thing there. So the question I have is, so that's, that's the goal. That, that's what I need to be, to be doing. It's not very practical, though. So what is going to help me? What do I need to do to actually walk this walk, to grow into Christ? What are we supposed to do as in-town Atlanta church? What are we supposed to be doing together? Well, the first thing he mentions is that the type of walk or the manner with which we walk, basically the, the what's going on in our minds and our hearts while we're doing this walking, is he says that we have all humility and gentleness with patience. When I think of a worthy walk, I don't think of gentleness. I don't think of humility. I think a worthy walk is a confident walk. It's a walk that is purposed. It's a walk that is for a leader, someone that takes charge. Like You can sometimes just tell how someone's walking that they have a take charge kind of attitude. That's not the worthy walk that Paul's talking about. That, that's not the worthy walk that leads to a church being built up into Christ together. That's not the type of walk that causes a Christian to uh, actually be who they need to be, to, to live a life that is in Christ. What that looks like is uh, a humble walk, a gentle walk, a patient walk. But I've known a lot of people that walk in a way that, and when I say walk, I, I mean literally and figuratively. They carry themselves, they live their life in a way that is that take charge kind of thing. What does that usually end up looking like down the road? Usually that type of person is a person that they stand on their own two feet. They control their own destiny kind of mentality. That's not submitting to Christ. That's not under the authority of God. So how can I say that I am walking in a manner worthy of the calling? When the calling is all about what God has done for me, but my walk looks like everything I'm doing for myself, there's, a, there's something that's contentious there. What I need to do is I need to understand if the calling is all about what God has done for me through Christ, then my walk looks similar where I'm just living in a way and walking in a way that is in response to that, that is in submission to who God is and what he has done through Christ. Not just, you know, well, hey, man up. And I know he said mature manhood, but we'll talk about that in a second. Is man up or woman up, whoever you are, and just like get it done, you know, take charge of this thing, fix yourself, live this way, do these things, and it's you doing it. That's not really what this looks like. That's not the mentality that we are to have. The mentality is one of humility and gentleness and patience. And I'll tell you what it, what it will look like if I focus on just what I need to do and just me be uh, who I need to be and I'm going to kind of just make that happen. I'm not going to do the next things that he talks about. I'm not going to bear with any of you in love. The only way I'm going to bear with you in love is if I am submitting to Christ. Uh, Josh read from 1 Corinthians 13. I really appreciate that, that reading and, and the way that he brought that up for the, as we remembered Christ and his death. The only way I'm ever going to bear with anyone in love, I don't care how much I actually care for you or how much we are similar. I'm only going to bear with you in love if I am allowing the authority of God and the authority of Christ to control me. It's not going to be something that I just decide to do and uh, by me taking charge of my life, I'm going to bear with you in love. 
I'm not going to be about the business of maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I'm going to try to get my way and my will. That, that's what the take charge mentality does. It causes us to just want to do what we want to do and have our way. That doesn't mean we don't have opinions. That doesn't mean we don't share and, and offer up, hey, this is something that I would like or this is something that I struggle with and that we talk about those things. But when I am totally focused on myself and you're totally focused on yourself, how can we ever say the next part, that there is one body and one spirit, that there is one faith, one Lord, one baptism? When I'm just focused on myself and you're focused on yourself and you're going to get your way, that's not one body. That's many bodies. That's me trying to have my own body with me and you have your own body with you and hopefully we can just get along and we can act like we're under one roof and everything and and we're okay. That's not what the body of Christ is to look like. That's not what a church is to look like. And as members of whatever congregation or church you're part of, that's not what you're supposed to be. What you're supposed to be is you're supposed to be focused on bearing with each other in love, maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You put your own will aside and you focus on the will of God. And, you know, his will is that you bear each other's burdens. His will is that you consider your brother and your sister. So he has these ones in verse 4, 5, and 6. And just to make sure we understand, there is only one church. And I don't mean there's only one church in Atlanta and we're it. What I mean is that there's only one church that the blood of Christ uh, has purchased. There's only one body of believers. Now that body of believers might look differently from place to place. And that body of believers might have a different name on the sign or on the building. We don't have a, a sign and we don't have a name on the building. The, our, our building says Hampton Inn and Suites. Um, and I, I hope that everyone's okay with that. And we call ourselves In Town Atlanta Church of Christ because we want to be built on Christ. We are a church that is established in Christ and on Christ. And also because we see that there are times where it says the churches of Christ this, or he wrote, Paul wrote to a, the church of Christ in whatever city. But we have to understand that when we say one body, we don't mean it has to have that name on it, and that makes you that part of that one body. The one body goes back to Acts 2, where we understand that the Lord adds, added over 3,000 in one day to his church, to his body, to his assembly. So when we say one body, that's what, that's what he means, and that's what we mean. And we need to make sure that that's how we speak, not as if we're talking about, oh, we're the only ones that have it. Then he says that there's one spirit, which if you talk to people about spiritual things, it might seem like there are many spirits out there. Because sometimes what a spirit tells one person or how they interpret a sp- the spirit looks very differently from how we look and live. What I think it's important to understand is that when Jesus said that he was sending his spirit in John 14, and when he promised that the comforter and the helper would come, it was to guide and lead and remind these, at that point, I guess it was still 12, but it was about to be 11 men into the same truth, the same teaching. So I think that we need to understand that Although we might have some differences in interpretations of Scripture, if we're going back to the Lord and we're going back to Scripture, to what He has revealed, then what we are seeking is to have one spirit. Not many spirits where we all think just differently. We, we do think differently. But as long as we're, we're relying on God, then it kind of goes back to our mentality of the, the worthy walk anyway. 
I can't be focused on what I want and what I want to hear. I have to focus on what, what God says. And if we have that, then we have one spirit. It says one Lord. We talked about last week how Jesus is king. When, that when Pilate led him out and said, behold your king, that what he meant was, this is what your king looks like, you Jews. And look at him. Look, what, what do you see when you see Jesus? Well, what do we think of when we think of Jesus? Is he Lord of our life? Is he, is he ruling? Not, not in a way where I don't know what to do with myself, but, but I understand that he is controlling my, my will and I am living my life in authority, under the authority of him. So he's one Lord. Where we have one faith. Well, that, that sounds tough as well. That's, that's harder than the one spirit for me. Because our lives do look differently. But what is our goal? What is, what is, what is our purpose? Our purpose should be that we are all striving to grow up in Christ. Our purpose should be that we are all based on the blood of Christ. And in that way, I think we are part of one faith. It says one baptism. I I think I'll have something to say about that in a later lesson. But all I'll say about that is that there there were many baptisms in even in the gospel in the gospels in the gospels. There there were there were multiple baptisms. There's only one baptism that saves. Um, Apollos had to learn that, that it wasn't the baptism of John that, that saved him, that it was the baptism of Jesus. There was a baptism with the Holy Spirit as well. And he says, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. If we need a reminder that our worthy walk isn't about me and how worthy I walk, that it's about God who is guiding and leading me, then I hope that that verse helps, that God is over all. There is one God and one Father, and He leads us, and He guides us. We have to seek Him to direct our steps, but He's the one directing our steps. So then He goes on and He talks about how grace is given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then He talks about Christ for a second, and that seems to be kind of a confusing section, so I just want to quickly talk about that. I think when you look at verse 7, what you see is He's bringing up how this he's starting the conversation of how this church how a church is going to walk in a worthy manner what has god provided for for them or for us to do that but then in doing that he he quotes the scripture about christ ascending so he has to talk about that for a second in verse 9 and 10. i don't think 9 and 10 have a lot to do with the gifts through christ i think that that's just him explaining that Christ, if it said he ascended, he had to descend in order to ever ascend. Then he gets back to talking about the gifts. And he says in verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. I think he's saying that those are the gifts that he's given. There's a measure of, of Christ's gift. But what happens if I don't see myself in that specific title? We, we, we do a lot with titles. We, we think of very highly of people that consider themselves evangelists. We think very highly of people that, oh, they're a teacher. Or we think really highly of people, I mean, maybe not teacher as much as if someone said they're a professor. Oh, you, you get a lot of respect for that. And people who are elders or people who are shepherds. I mean, we, we think so highly of them, and, and we should, but understand that, that it's not about that title. It's about the measure of the gift that God has given. It's about the measure of the gift in Christ. Because the whole purpose is to equip the saints. 
The whole purpose is to build up the saints. It's not so that you are established and solidified as such a great teacher or you, you're such a great shepherd. So I just want to talk for a second about the church here at Intown. We don't have, well, I'll start with apostles. Um, and if we need to have another discussion about this another time, we, we can. But, but it's, it's my belief that we don't have apostles today because when you go back to, to Acts, when they're seeking in Acts 1 to replace Judas, it seems to be that there are some, some very specific things that someone would have to, to, some criteria, if you will, that someone would have to meet to, for them to be considered. Then they cast lots, and, and it's our understanding that, that um, God led them in who would replace Judas. And then we understand that Paul, at the time he was called Saul, was called out of due time. But we, but we believe that he saw Christ on the road. And that's part of, part of the criteria. So, so it's, it's our stance, or at least it's my stance, that we don't have modern-day apostles. But I do think that in a way we do have prophets. The work of a prophet, which I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, and I still need to think through a lot of these things. But the work of, the, of a prophet is not necessarily only, or maybe even not... Um, uh, most importantly, to predict things that will occur. But rather, the work of a prophet is actually to say, this is God's will. Do this. If you're not doing this, repent. Turn to the Lord, revealing truths from God. That's the work of a prophet. And I think that we have that because if we have this one spirit, if we have this one faith, then we can all do that. We can all be that as long as we are, again, relying on God for that truth. Then we have evangelists. At this church, we don't have um, shepherds, but we have many teachers, and I would say that we have many evangelists as well. The work of evangelists is, is very simple, it seems to me. The work of evangelists is to, uh, actually similar to the prophet, where you proclaim the truths of God, but it's the idea of actually going and seeking those that are lost. You're seeking to teach those. And in that way, you also fall into the category of a teacher. But we have people that, that are very good teachers here that I don't know if they're very comfortable with going out and, and as we would say today, evangelizing. They're more comfortable just teaching what is in the scriptures, maybe for the benefit of those that are even already Christians. We have that here, but we don't, we don't have shepherds here. And the reason we don't have shepherds here is that when we go to, uh, to what Paul says to Timothy and to Titus, we see that there are certain... As the title of of uh, the text, uh, the um, the title above the text in my Bible would say qualifications of of overseers. Well, it doesn't actually say qualifications in the actual text, I believe. But what we understand is that there were certain things that those Christians were supposed to be looking at and saying. If you find a man that is looks this way, you find a man that that this is uh, these are the qualities of his life, then that that man ought to be an elder, ought to be an overseer, a shepherd, a pastor, whatever word we want to use there. So we don't have that here yet. But I would hope that one day that we would have that. And we need to be praying to God that we would have that. Because if these are gifts that God is giving through Christ, then we need to be praying and relying on God for those things, for people that are like that. Not just so we can be established, so that we can put it on our website, not just so that I don't have to answer questions and I can say, oh, go talk to those guys. Uh, but rather, because of what comes from having these type of people a part of a church or in the church. He says that those people are, are there to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Building up the body of Christ. So that we can all attain to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. If we want to be who we can be, who we ought to be, we need to strive to have those people a part of our church. If we don't have some of those things or a couple of those things, then we, we turn solely to God and we rely on him for those things. But we hope that we can one day have, have shepherds here. But we do have good teachers and we do have several people that are, are involved in evangelism. And so what is the purpose of that? Is that just so that they can do their work? They, they, you know, when you go and you hold a community Bible study, oh, you know, we appreciate what they're doing. They're, just, they're doing their thing and, and it's good for the kingdom. That's actually not the point of evangelism, is it? The point of evangelism or the work of an evangelist is for the building up of the body. And I don't think he means number. I think there's something that happens when people are about the business of kingdom work where it encourages and builds us, it stirs us up. It helps us to be more united. We have a goal, we have a purpose. And our purpose is not that each person does his own thing, but that we all are involved in the work together. And I think that's the only way that we're ever going to get to this point where we can say, yes, we are striving and reaching for mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We have to be united. We have to, and I'm not just saying that because the theme is united in the blood. I'm not just saying that because I love the soccer team in Atlanta. We have to be united because that's what God expects his people to be. It's specifically for our group. That's what he wants us to be. So my question is, what can you do to help with that unity? Is it something that you need to do outside of these walls and share with us? Is it something that you need to do inside these walls when we gather together? Is it something that you need to do to provide a way for us to grow together? And I know that there are things that I can do. And so I assume that there are things that, that all of us can do. And this isn't just so that you feel like you're pulling your weight. If you do go back, go, go down to the bottom though, he does say that, that this whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We do need everyone to, quote-unquote, pull their own weight. But I can't determine what your weight is. I can't determine that at all. Now, I can encourage you, and you can encourage me to say, hey, I think that you can grow in this way, and I think it will help the group in this way. And that's fine. But the whole point is that we just need to do our part. And when we go to a passage like 1 Corinthians and we see that you have many members of, of the body, but it's one body. And, you know, if, if all the body were the hearing, where would the seeing be? If all, so we understand that some, some of us are going to be considered the, the pinky toe, right? Or some of us are going to be, well, what's the purpose of having um, a second nostril? I don't know. I mean, it's things that we think of as that's inconsequential. That doesn't matter. Just understand you matter. You do matter. Everything that you do for the good of the body matters. So don't get discouraged when someone doesn't recognize that. I don't know the last time I considered my pinky toe, except for when I was playing basketball uh, Friday and it, we were playing horse and someone said, you can only stand on your pinky toe. You can't do that, by the way. <laughs> but, but they were joking. They were saying, you have to do that. I don't know the last time I considered the use of any of those things. But I know they have use. And I know that I'm not complete without those things. So 
if you're part of this group and you're not doing what you can, we're not complete without you. And we need you. And it's not just we need you to pull your weight because it's harder on the rest of us. Although sometimes that could be true. But we're not going to be what we can be without everyone here doing what they can do and should be doing. And if we need to ask for help in that, if we need to talk more openly about those things together, then let's do that. If you want to talk about that privately, well, you can talk to a few of us. I would say that don't just rely on what I say. Don't just rely on what Kelly or Robin or William, you know, let's talk together about these things. Because the whole point is that we walk in a worthy way. And God determines what's worthy. And what's worthy to him is that we are growing up into the fullness of Christ. And we're not going to do that without being unified. We're not going to do that without being humble and without being focused on uh, bearing each other's burdens, without bearing each other and bearing with one another in love. So as we go on, as we see in verse 14 in Ephesians 4, he brings up this idea of uh, there, there are all these false teachings and doctrines, and what do they do? What can they do to the body? Well, what they can do is they can wreak havoc on the body. See, we're, we're not supposed to be children tossed to and fro by all these different teachings and doctrines. We are supposed to be established on the truth and on the foundation of Christ. And that's why we have people. That's why God has given gifts to his body. We're not supposed to be led away, led away by hum, uh, human cunning or craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, we're supposed to speak the truth in love, and that way we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So my last point is this, that we can talk about a lot of things that are enjoyable but what we need to do is we need to speak the truth in love. Whatever that looks like and whoever that means you talk to, that's what we need to be doing with each other in this group. And that's what you need to do in your own life. If you want to grow up in Christ and you want to be growing and being re- and reaching maturity and not be a child that's tossed to and fro, I suppose the first thing you need to do is you need to know truth. But then you need to keep speaking truth. Because the more you speak it, the more it drowns out those deceitful schemes and the, and the confusion in your own head and among the body. We need to continue speaking the truth in love. And that's the only way we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So I hope that this lesson is a little bit helpful. I hope that we've been able to look at a few things. I just want to wrap up by saying this, that it's not about how many people we get to, to join a specific church. And it's not about how excited everyone is because of all the wonderful feelings. and mo- Really, what the point is, we need to be solely focused on growing up into Christ. We need to be focused on what he wants us to look like. Mature manhood is not determined by me, and the body is not determined what I think it needs to look like. It's determined by Christ, and it's determined by God. And as, as the group here continues to meet, and as we continue to, to grow together, my encouragement is that we would all just take a look at what we need to do, individually, for the, for the good of the body. So what can you do? What, what should you be doing? What, what have you thought about doing that you just haven't been willing to sacrifice time for? What do you know you can contribute for this group that you have just been holding back for whatever reason? Don't be ashamed of that. Let's talk about that. But individually and person to person, if you're focused on walking a worthy walk, but you're wanting to determine how you walk, understand that you're not answering the call of God and walking in response to that. You're answering your own call. 
and you're walking how you want to live. So my, my encouragement for us today is answer the call of God. And this call is that you participate in the blood of Christ, that you would seek him, that you would want to be um, totally reliant on, on how God would have you to live. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to just trust and obey him. That's an old song that I think I've sung since I was probably five years old. And I don't think I really understood what it meant until the, a few years ago. That what, what God wants us to do is to trust and obey him in whatever way and whatever path that, that takes us. If you are here and you need prayers from this group, we would love to pray with you and for you. If you need to repent of some sins that have been public, then this is a good time to do that. But we would also encourage you that to think about those things and have some discussions after we conclude today. And if you need anything, if you have a spiritual need, won't you let us know as we sing the song that's been announced.